At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good evening. Welcome in. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Danny Burke. Last day of the mini takeover here. Danny back on Monday. Good show today as well as hopefully all of them have been. Will Hill is going to be with us. Point Spread Weekly writer, contributor all around the network, regular on Lombardi Line. As we discuss a lot, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball futures. We're going to talk about NFL futures, preseason wagers as well. One that I have made. A couple more that I've made in baseball, too, so we'll get Wills Hill's thoughts on that. We do have a really intriguing fight night card coming up this weekend, too. So quick look at the top two events, uh, or I'll say the top two bouts on the main event, put it that way. Uh, NFL preseason preview with a lot of good games, a lot of line moves, some good information out there about what we can expect. And then a very deep card, as usual, on a Friday night in Major League Baseball. So we'll run through what is actually like a sneaky, sexy card of series this weekend in Major League Baseball that carry a ton of weight, including, of course, a series that is going to go down between the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres. But let us begin where we always do with the games that are about to get started in Major League Baseball right now. Atlanta and Baltimore will get us started. Max Fried's going to take on Keegan Aiken, and Atlanta just continues to roll. They're going for their sixth win, uh, sixth straight win, not their sixth win. They've got plenty of those. Uh, ninth and ten games as well. We're looking at a money line price now upwards of minus 260 for the Atlanta Braves here against the Baltimore Orioles. Keep in mind that this opened up at about minus 210. So this has been quite the move in favor of Atlanta. And why not, man? They've won the last three freed starts, and he's been brilliant. One flat ERA, no real room for some major regression with a 239 expected fielding independent. How about a 9.5 strikeout to walk ratio over those last three? Keeping the ball down in a brilliant fashion as well. Freed has been absolutely on one as has been the Braves, as has been their lineup. And Aiken has not been, he's been bad. And his XFIP signifies that he's not as bad as ERA indicates, but 498 expected fielding independent. You're going from an abhorrent pitcher to a really bad one. Still nothing worth backing for a uh, Orioles team that is working on their 15th consecutive loss. So you can understand where the market's at at this point. The Braves looking to add to that lead that they have now in the NL East, and they are now massive favorites. And that power rating just continues to tick up for the Atlanta Braves. Miami at Cincinnati. Cincinnati broke out of their slump, winning the series opener here. Now only one game back of San Diego because the Padres all of a sudden stink. Cincinnati is going to send out Sonny Gray, who's been relatively poor. 722 ERA over his last six starts. Uh, Alicia Hernandez on the other end. Not a massive sample size for Hernandez. Not really clear on what we're going to get from him as a pitcher. Uh, but as far as Miami and Cincinnati go, you're looking at Sonny Gray right now in the range of about a $1.85, $1.90 favorite on the hill here for the Reds. Minnesota and New York also going to go at it. We talk about red-hot teams. Well, the Yankees are one of them. Uh, they have now won seven consecutive games after beating Minnesota yesterday. You're going to get Nestor Cortez, who gets to start here for the New York Yankees. And Cortez has been solid, although there is some room for some regression here. It's a short sample size, so we can expect some falling back to the pack here. 49 and a third innings pitched for Cortez. 255 ERA, but a 403 expected fielding independent. 
Personally, my barometer, if we start to get over 4.1 on the XFIP, it's a personal arbitrary mark that I have set over the last few years, uh, but has you know, done some really solid, there's been some solid return on that barometer for myself when it comes to baseball handicapping. So still going to be a really solid pitcher for you, regardless, because of the way the Yankees have been playing, because of the way that Cortez has been pitching, we're talking about a $2.40 price tag on a team that opened up about minus 160, depending on where you look. So we're about two minutes from first pitch there. Coming up as well, Detroit, a massive underdog on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays. Why not? Robbie Ray's been spectacular. How about this? You can go all the way back. I keep going back to May 27th. Since then, Robbie Ray, only one start in which he has given up more than three earned runs in an outing. He has been absolutely dynamic for Toronto. That's why they're power rated to the gills when he's out there. The strikeouts, of course, his usual dominant itself. The walks are down this year. Last time out, seven strong on the road against Seattle. Just one walk to eight strikeouts and two earns. So Toronto, massive favorite over the Detroit Tigers. Little buyback there, 278 after an opener of 290. All right, rolling through the rest of these because I want to get to the big one of the day pretty much. That would be Chicago on the road against Tampa Bay. Very big series between two American League contenders. Potential ALCS championship meeting? I don't know. Uh, Tampa Bay, though, opens up as a small underdog. Big reason why. Michael Waka is on the hill here for the Tampa Bay Rays. Waka has not been great. Last time out, got absolutely cooked, roasted, bamboozled by the Minnesota Twins on the road. Five innings pitched, 11 hits, seven earned runs, got taken deep twice, only struck out five as well. So Waka has not been pitching very well. And by the way, he's given up 12 earned runs over his last two starts, and that's only 10 innings. So you can see why that is the case. And on the other end, you get Lucas Giolito for the Chicago White Sox, who is his usual consistent self. Two solid outings after getting dinged up by the Kansas City Royals at home. He went four for six earned runs in his first start of August, but since then only three earned runs over his last 12 innings of work. Now it's essentially a pick between the White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. is about to get started. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Danny Burke here today. Momentarily, you're going to be joined uh, by Will Hill, Pointsford Weekly contributor, VEASAN contributor of Krauss many shows. Uh, pick his brain on a lot of things because one of the things that Will wrote about this week in Pointsford Weekly, which is pretty fascinating, and he's with us now. So, Will, I want to start with baseball uh, because you wrote about in one of the future plays that you made in Pointsford Weekly this week that I wanted to discuss about a week and a half ago, not even, it was during my vacation, so it's probably like a week ago, I'm sitting back and I'm going through some of the odds in the futures, and I note that even a week ago, you were still getting plus 105 on this San Francisco Giants team to win the National League West, and I sat back and I'm like, what are we doing at this point right now, right? Like, I understand the Los Angeles Dodgers, the way that they're power rated, the way that they play, but this Giants team isn't going nowhere. This Chris Bryant acquisition has been absolutely spectacular, and you have gotten in here. It's a little late to the party, as you note, but Giants to win the NL West. You're down with this. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they're daring you. The odds makers, the bookmakers, yeah. they're daring you to bet it, and they've been doing it this whole time where you know, the Giants are up six, seven games, and they're still plus 400, plus 300. Now we're at a point where we got five, five and a half weeks left in the season. Three or four game lead, I, I think it's down to three now. It was four earlier in the week. That's a lot when you only play head-to-head three times. You just yep. figure, you know what, if you're the Giants, you win once, you lose a game. And other than that, the Giants, they don't have these long losing streaks. They're just rock solid. They're not reliant on one player. Like, you know, with the Mets, with DeGrom, where if one guy goes down, it's like a domino and everything uh, collapses behind it. They're just a solid team, solid rotation. I think they got 10 games still with the Rockies and Diamondbacks. So I think they'll be able to keep the, the Dodgers at arm's length like they have all year. Um, you know, the Dodgers had their issues, obviously, pitching-wise. Nope, no Kershaw, no Bauer. Rias is on the DL right now. So I just think, look, you're probably late to the party. And really, this is going to be one of the great upsets in baseball division history. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure we'll see uh, see the tweets if they do clinch the division about 
you know, greatest long shots in baseball history. Because you usually don't get these upsets over 162. You know, over 16 games, a different different animal. But uh, this would be a, a hell of an upset. I know they were 50-1 to one in some places in April, but uh, I do think they finished the job here. Yep, and, you know, it is a two-and-a-half game lead at this point right now, to your point. And um, the Dodgers actually have a pretty challenging schedule themselves. Giants, if you look at Tankathon, have the uh, sixth-hardest schedule left in Major League Baseball. And there are some intriguing and hard series. They're getting started this weekend on a road series against Oakland. They have the New York Mets on the road as well. We'll see how how hard that is with the Mets kind of floundering around and a really tough stretch for them. Atlanta, Milwaukee, the Dodgers. So these next five series are going to be relatively challenging for the Giants. Uh, But it does loosen up after that with back-to-back sets against the Rockies and the Cubs. And you'll see how this shakes out. But this is a pretty fascinating team, like you said. They have been consistently at the top here. The Dodgers finding some momentum. Uh, Their bullpen doing a really good job for the most part because they've been taxed over the last few weeks. Uh, But this is going to be fascinating as it goes along. And one of the other teams we could talk about, I want to get your thoughts on just in the general sense of things, uh, the San Diego Padres, who all of a sudden have been floundering around. They have a series getting started with the Philadelphia Phillies here uh, this coming weekend. But first, your initial thought on what ails the San Diego Padres, because this was a team that many thought was the second best team in baseball at the beginning of the year. Now, all of a sudden, the rotation is awful. There's injuries there as well. But even if they start to get healthy, their biggest weakness. And when you compare them to other teams in the National League, well, like, why am I supposed like, why would I believe that the Padres can all of a sudden find their way back to the top of the mountain in terms of being one of the more respected teams in the National League? Yeah, I thought at first you were going to ask me about the Orioles and the Orioles' futures. Yeah. I think those are dead. That's just my opinion on that. I don't want to be too bold, but uh, calm down. Yeah, the the, the Padres are, are just—they haven't looked right all year. Um, you make a trade with Tampa, it's like making a trade with with the Patriots or, or Jerry West back in the day, where they give you a pitcher. Yep. Usually, there's a reason they're giving them to you. You gotta—it's like somebody coming up to you and say, "Hey, you want to buy my car?" The first thing you gotta think, "All right, what's wrong with the car here?" Uh, Darvish hasn't been the same since the sticky stuff. Just they've had issues with keeping Tatis on the field. Tatis has had fielding issues, and I think uh, the flash of this team it, there's more more sizzle than there is stake. I remember you know last year all the comebacks, the grand slams. Uh, they just they've, they've had a lot of injuries. They haven't looked right all year. I think San Fran's emergence, the Dodgers being the Dodgers. You know, I just don't see uh, don't see them turning around. I I know you could have gotten really good plus plus value with them a couple weeks ago to, to miss the playoffs. I'm not sure what that number is now, but. It would one that would be intriguing to me because the Reds, you know, the Central, you get the Cubs, you get the Pirates, um, while the Padres have a, a tougher schedule. So I would lean towards them not making the playoffs. Just hasn't looked right all year. And, uh, interesting series from the Phillies' perspective because man, oh, yeah. like ten yeah. days ago they had a two-game lead. That's been a wild race. The Mets, the Mets were in control most of the year. Uh, the Phillies take control of a two-game lead with a soft second half of the schedule. Looked like they were in control, and the bottom's fallen out of them. And, and Atlanta's got a chance. You never want to say put them away because there's a lot of baseball left, but they got three games with the Orioles this weekend where that's probably going to be a sweep. I mean, based on the way the Orioles have played, I know they're, they're due to win sooner or later, but let's say Atlanta sweeps Baltimore and Philly loses two out of three. You're looking at minus tr- chasing six games here with, with five weeks to go. So fascinating series on a lot of levels here. Yep, and you, so to your point, uh, actually at the beginning of this week, Will, I took a piece of Philadelphia plus 160 to win this division, and it was something we talked about on this show as I was filling in for Danny, was that if you looked at the rest of their schedules, well, this is a, an easier schedule for Atlanta. Both of these teams actually have really easy schedules down the stretch. 25th easiest schedule, or hardest schedule, put it that way, uh, for Atlanta. The easiest schedule in Major League Baseball for the rest of the way for the Philadelphia Phillies. It is absolute cake as they go along, but... You can't get swept by the Diamondbacks. Like you got to take care of series like that, and they don't. And now you have a tough one against the Padres. And you have uh, the Phillies on the second leg of a parlay today, do you not? Yeah, I mean, I took the free spot on the bingo card with the Braves opposite the Orioles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one, man. I mean, 15 in a row, all by two runs or more. I mean, there's not too much to say. You're just 
you can basically fade the Orioles any way you want. Team totals on the other side, uh, parlay, run line, whatever you want. It's all been pretty good. It doesn't show any signs of turning around. But uh, I, I like the Padres here to go with, with the Braves. I, I just think Snell versus Moore. And, uh, interesting matchup. We, we, we mentioned how Snell hasn't been great. A, a couple of X-rays, actually. A couple of X-rays lefties. But uh, Moore is a guy who's been hit hard. He's, he pitched actually well last time. Carried a no-hitter in the sixth or seventh inning. But I think it's a tough spot for Moore. So I, uh, I, I put the, the Padres in the second leg with the uh, – with the Braves, which, like I said, is just the free spot on the bingo card at this point. Yep. You know, a lot of a lot of big lines here in baseball, man, and probably not the best time to be uh, be an apple bomb, be a contrarian better because <laughs> some of these teams are just as dead as it gets. Well, and that's a, you know a lot of these. Uh, we talk about this. It seems like every year, right? Like around this time, or odds makers uh, are talking about the fact that you can't make some of these favorites big enough, right? A team like the Baltimore Orioles, who have lost what 15, 14 consecutive games, talk about it. They're dead in the water. They don't really care. The talent level is extremely thin. And you're taking on teams like the Braves who have everything to play for and a lineup that's red hot. You know, you could realistically talk yourself into regular prices of $3. Hell, the Rays were what? $3.35 favorites the other day against Baltimore. Yeah, and it's really every league, every team has bad, every sport has bad teams. And usually with baseball, like you said, it's a couple of teams that are really bad, but we got like five or six of them. Now, the Diamondbacks showed some life against the Phillies, but they've been really bad. Uh, Baltimore, the Pirates, I mean, the Nationals and the Cubs post deadline. It's almost like the NBA, some of the, the end of their seasons where all these teams mm-hmm. are tanking for a good pick. And it's just, man, it, it's just, it's not great for the sport either. When you got five or six teams this bad, it, it's really not a great look for the sport. Producer Jacob is clenching his fist. Doesn't like anything negative said about the NBA at all. He was about to start <laughs> swinging at this point. Uh, all right. Last thing on Major League Baseball before uh, we get to, uh, we get to football, because uh, the Rays are taking on the White Sox right now. Michael Walker is on the hill for Tampa Bay. Where are you at in the pecking order of the American League? Because I, I have a ticket on Houston at 6-1 to one to win the American League pennant, and I've been pretty consistent that I, I love that lineup. It's the best one in baseball. They get the most out of their pitching staff. They scout young players extremely well for their pitching staff. And this White Sox team, it's been known uh, that they have their issues against winning uh, teams with winning records. They took care of business in their series against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, but I find myself wanting a little bit more when I watch the Chicago White Sox. Uh, what do you expect when you're talking about the American League overall? We don't even mention the Rays, the team the White Sox are playing, uh, who have actually been extremely good and have taken control of the uh, AL East. We didn't even mention the Yankees. Yep. I mean, the Yankees, uh, I think they're the uh, the elephant in the room there. Now, that's going to be an interesting race down down the stretch here because they're only down five, and it seems like every time you look up, even though the Yankees win, Baltimore plays against Tampa. So Yankees haven't been able to gain that much ground. But uh, I think Tampa's schedule gets really tough this point going forward. They do have three more with Baltimore next week, believe it or not, but they got a lot of White Sox, Phillies, Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, a lot in the mix there. So that'll be interesting to see if the Yankees can chase them down and uh, something to keep an eye on the last weekend of the year, the Yankees play the Rays for three. And that could be interesting, not only from a pennant race standpoint, but how do you handle that with your pitching? How do you pitch Cole? If you, let's say you have the wild card in hand, but you have a chance to say you're down two in the division or down one in the division. You could pitch Cole. You could go for the division. It's a huge advantage to win the division. But then if you lose or you don't win the division, now you got to play the wild card and you might not have Cole. So fascinating situation. I think the Yankees, man, I, I be interested to see what that price is now. I think they're plus $3 or so to win the East. I think they have maybe not a coin flip chance, but a little less. I think they're playing really well, and, and they have a pretty easy schedule. They still have six with Baltimore, a bunch of games with Texas, Cleveland, three more with Minnesota this weekend, who they beat like a drum. I think it's 106 out of the last 144 against the Twins they've won, which doesn't even seem real. So uh, pretty wide open to, to get back to your question about the American League. I think it's a pretty wide open race. 
The Rays don't scare you with their pitching. The White Sox are a little vulnerable. You know, that division's no good. Detroit, Cleveland are the second-best teams there. Astros have seemed, seemed vulnerable. I mean, they just lost three in a row to Kansas City. They got swept by Baltimore at some point this year. So uh, pretty wide open. If you're, if you're looking for a long shot, maybe an American League future is the way to go. Um, I will say that you irritated Jacob about the NBA comment. You have irritated me. I have a Rays ticket at plus 275 to win the AL East. I don't want to hear about them getting chased down in their hard schedule. Your malicious facts uh, they do no good here, okay? So please keep those to yourself, Will Hill. At not the Will Hill up on Twitter as well, Pointswood Weekly contributor. Uh, all right, Will, uh, let's go to the National Football League because you got some preseason plays. What's the information you're seeing? Uh, let's talk a little bit about this um, Lions play that you have in front of you. What have we heard about how the Lions are handling this preseason contest, and what are you expecting in this matchup against the Steelers? Yeah, I just played this early. After watching, the, it was six and a half. I got a six and a half. I don't mm-hmm. know if it ticked up to seven anywhere. I just watched the first week of the preseason. All these games pretty much were close. They were all low scoring. And to me, it's just too random. These games are too random, too low scoring to lay that many points. I think there's value uh, getting the points there. Uh, Pittsburgh's 2-0. Detroit's 0-1. Detroit's not going to have that many chances to win games this year, whether it be preseason or regular season. That's a high-energy coach. I think any chance to win a game, I mean, he might be able to. He might be willing to play his, four, his starters the whole four quarters just to win a game in the preseason. I mean, that's... That's how thirsty they are for a win. Even though the organization's probably tanking, I'm sure Campbell wants to win every chance he can, uh, especially coming off a loss. Pittsburgh's 2-0. and That's uh, you know, a veteran team who has hopes still of making the playoffs, so they're not going to be too, too worried with the result. I just think there's too much randomness in preseason to be laying six and a half. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the points and sprinkle a little on the money line as well. Yep, it's six and a half pretty much everywhere, 36 and a half the total right now, so you could still grab that, see if it gets to seven. But I would agree with you. Like There are some pretty uh, big spreads that you're seeing all around the board here for this week. The line of the... Uh, the Raiders were one of them as well, uh, which was pretty surprising in their matchup with the Rams. Uh, let's go to Carolina and Baltimore then. Panthers right now catching three and a half at home with a total of 35 and a half. This one's going to go down tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's starting to tick down to three some spots, so make sure you grab the three and a half. Uh, obviously, the, the Ravens, it's a highly publicized streak. I mean, 18 in a row in the preseason is pretty incredible. I think 19 is the record. But they have a lot of injuries, so you're paying a tax here with this streak. I, I think they've got some injuries. Offensive line, there's some, some cluster injuries. Wide receiver, there's some cluster injuries. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not going to play. Marlon Humphrey's banged up. He's not going to play. And look, the, the backup quarterback, McSorley, he's not going to play, so maybe in the back of their mind, they say, you know what, we're already down a quarterback. We're not looking to get this quarterback. Or I think Huntley's the, uh, the second string there. So maybe a little conservative, uh, close to the vest more than usual. And just look, I mean, you're laying three and a half on the road in the preseason. That's just that you're paying a huge tax on the streak and, and the publicity the streak has gotten. Uh, Carolina's at home, getting more than a field goal and a half. That's a pretty big number for the preseason, so I will gladly take the points there. All right, and let's go to one game that I'm really interested in. I haven't bet this one yet, and I was surprised by the initial market move. There is something starting to creep back here, uh, but Minnesota and Indianapolis. Now we do get word that it looks like Sam Ellinger is going to get the start for Indianapolis, despite the fact that Jacob Eason performed well in uh, last week's matchup against the Carolina Panthers, and the fact that in camp it seems like he is separating himself from Sam Ellinger, but it looks like we're getting an Ellinger start here. The Vikings open up as a pick in most spots, get to two, two and a half. Now we're looking at two across the board with a total of 37 and a half, and you're on Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going to take the money line. I think I've mentioned this on other shows. Be careful laying the two in preseason as opposed to regular season. It's a different animal. Just because, say, you're up seven late, the other team gets a touchdown, they're going to usually go for two. I mean, nobody really wants to tie. So game, more games are going to land on one more so than in the regular season. So, you know, short favorite, take the money line. If it's a two, take the points if you like the dog. Uh, I'm going to take the money line. I just think Minnesota was absolutely embarrassed last week. 
Zimmer, you could tell, was not happy, and why would he be? And he's a guy who's always taken the preseason very seriously. Vikings have always done well in the preseason under him. So I just think there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency. I, I don't think they'll want to be embarrassed two weeks in a row. Uh, they lost last week. Indy won last week. So maybe a little bit of a mo- motivational edge for Minnesota. So I like Minnesota on the money line. Yeah, it should be noted that the Colts are, are going to roll out their starters, but Sam Ellinger is going to be the starting quarterback, not necessarily what they're going to do as they head into the regular season, but he's going to get the full complement of weapons around him and the starting offensive line, and as many as are available for the Indianapolis Colts in this matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, well, before we get you out of here, as we're getting closer to the season, uh, I haven't had the chance to talk to you a lot about futures plays as we head into the NFL year, uh, but give me, give me one that's at the top of your list in terms of plays for NFL futures, because I'll give you an example. Like for me, the more I have written for our NFL guide and looked around, the more I find myself uh, in the camp of the Cleveland Browns. Browns to win the AFC North at plus 150, a ticket on Miles Garrett at 5-1. to one. Uh, Near the top of the list for you in terms of futures plays that you're confident in in the last 60 seconds here, what do you got? Yeah, it's tough because I got the roadblock of the Chiefs in front of me, but I just yeah. like the Chargers. I like the talent. I love Herbert. I think they were woefully undercoached the past couple of years with Lynn. And I don't know how to get on. I mean, I, I got some Staley Coach of the Year. I got some Herbert MVP. I'm going to take an over on the Chargers. I'm going to take some yes on the Chargers for the playoffs. And I just think they look the, the close games, the, the poor clock management. I think they've just you know a little bit of it's bad luck, but a lot of it was bad coaching. So I think we've seen some of these quarterbacks pop in their second years, and I could see Herbert doing the same. Under a new coach who a lot of people like, you know, Staley did a good job with the Rams last year. So you kind of got to go around it. I don't know that they can steal that division, but if you, you play Staley coach of the year, you play Herbert for MVP and maybe some yes on, on Chargers playoffs. I like it. Again, and not the Will Hill. Will, it's good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much for the time today. JVT, appreciate it, man. Thank you. You, you got it. Hey, vcin.com slash subscribe. Check it out. I'll do Will's job for him. He always does a great plug in at Point Spread Weekly. does a great job. Is in there every single week. Check out the Lombardi line as well, which he regularly contributes to. All right. On the other side, let's take a little little look at some mixed martial arts. Clay Guida's on the card uh, this weekend against Mark Madsen. That's going to be a lot of fun. Jared Cannonier against Kelvin Gastelum, too. There's a lot of fun to be had for UFC Vegas this coming weekend. We'll break it down on the other side here on Rush Hour. Exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of live in-play options. Bet River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook, offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaceYourGrounds.com in New Jersey. Got to be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Danny Burke this week. Rumor is Danny will be back on Monday. That is the rumor. I checked his IG yesterday. A lot of water. A lot of water. A lot of lakes. A lot of pools, a lot of slow-mo videos. Danny's just living life. Young kid, you know what I mean? Doing what a kid does. 
UFC Las Vegas. I don't know what the transition was going to be from that. Uh, UFC Las Vegas. We've got a fight night card coming up this week. Um, it's tomorrow. I don't know why I said this week. And it's a pretty good one at the top. I'm really excited to see what Jared Cannonier is going to have here in this matchup against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, and I, I wanted to bring this up because we've seen an interesting market move. Some spots open Cannonier as high as a $2.10 favorite, but now we're sitting as low as a buck forty. Uh, and Acaro in Point Spread Weekly, in sight to the Octagon this week, um, wrote this up. Used Cannoneer as about $1.60 favorite. It's moved since then. It, um, I made a small play on Cannoneer here in this spot as well. I think this works in the favor uh, of Cannoneer. There's a lot to look at, right? So both fighters coming off of losses, Robert Whitaker. Cannoneer is in much better form, though. Loss for Cannoneer snapped a three-fight win streak, all three of which were finishes inside of two rounds. Remember, he got injured in the Whitaker fight as well. So if you look at this with Gastelum, he's now dropped four out of five with four of them, of course, going to a decision. But these are two guys who are in much different forms, despite the fact that both of them are coming off of losses. And this has stand and bang written all over. A cannoneer, solid striker, likes to stay on the feet, averages less than 0.2 takedowns, uh, successful takedowns, every 15 minutes, has not attempted a submission. Gasolum, a little bit more of the takedown game, as we know, has more wrestling to his game, 1.1 in terms of the takedowns per 15 minutes that he lands, but he's not going to attempt a submission. His last submission victory came in 2014, so these two guys are going to stand, and they're going to fight, and if that is the case, Cannoneer has a ton of advantages, man. He's two inches taller. He's got a uh, six-inch reach advantage, much better recent form on top of it, and even if Cannoneer gets taken down, this is a really strong dude. Takedown defense isn't really great, but when he gets there, he's got superb strength and allows him to get out of a lot of trouble and get back on the feet pretty quickly. Look at the Hermanson fight, by the way. Hermanson came out really fast in that first round, a lot of pressure, a lot of attempts, and a lot of takedowns, and yet right away, Cannonier was back up on the feet, ready to stand. So I really like this spot, man. The fact that you're getting the discount, opening up is over a $2 favor, coming back down to the other direction. If Gaslam wants to wrestle, I think that's the route to a victory, given all the disadvantages he has physically when they're standing up and they're fighting. Uh, but Cannoneer looks like he's in a pretty good spot. And we're talking about a, t- a guy that opened as high as minus 220, down to $1.40. Uh, that's enough for me to look at this and think that Cannoneer is a pretty good value play against a guy like Gaslam. And then the other, fight, the other fight that is pretty intriguing here is Clay Guida, the carpenter, uh, against Mark Madsen. Oh, Madsen. I, they like to uh, put the middle initial in there, so we should um, put it out there when we talk about Madsen. $1.65 favorite. Here for Madsen, as high as a dollar seventy-five. This is really intriguing in its own right because one, so Guida to uh, reiterate for recent form, coming off a win over Michael Johnson, he wants more contenders, so he gets Madsen here. Madsen's making his third UFC appearance. He's got two wins under his belt, but this is something to look at because Madsen's a silver medalist, Greco-Roman wrestler, really, really solid wrestler, insanely strong. He's going to be able to take guys down left and right. You saw it in his fight with Austin Hubbard. First two rounds, absolutely commanded them. Took Hubbard down with ease, relative ease, in the first two rounds. Was commanding that, was in control, but a little bit clunkier on the feet. And in that third round, Hubbard was a lot more uh, aggressive, opened things up a little bit more with his hands, and he won that third round uh, with ease against Madsen. So if this is going to go Guida's way, who Guida's got a really good grappling background, uh, can, of course, clinch and grapple with some of the best, this is going to be more of Guida tapping into the, I have been a mixed martial artist for a really long time, and the ability to stand and strike a little bit. Because Madsen, if you have seen him in action, that seems to be one of his biggest downfalls, is the fact that against some really solid strikers, I think he's going to have some trouble. And Guida has a, I think, solid enough striking background that he's going to be able to stand and at least take advantage of that with Madsen. So I'd be really intrigued to see if Guida, I don't think he wants to play 
Madsen's game. So I had a small lean to Guida here. I want to see if the market continues to move in Madsen's direction, but definitely did play Cannoneer in that main event because I think Cannoneer's got a lot going for him, man. But it's going to be a good card, and those two fights are going to be absolutely fantastic. All right, NFL preseason on the other side. I will say this. Uh, there is a team that is an underdog, and I think it's based on the quarterback play of a guy who was actually 14-20 for a buck 40, scored two touchdowns. But I think the numbers don't really tell the story of, I'll say it, how bad Justin Field was in week one. We'll have more on that and plenty of other preseason matchups on the other side here in Russia. preseason is kicked off as you know it is the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. Get it instead of cuddle up. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win total, division finishes, and player awards. The guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both the NFL and college guide. Preserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Let the record show that all of my work has been turned in for the NFL guide. So little birdies that are telling me that uh, some people maybe not too professional to turn in their work. And it's going to be great though. Absolutely great. Updated. It is going to be thick, rife with information. A lot of future plays in there. Actually the other day, gave you a couple from the AFC East from myself. Gave you another, of course, earlier, but I'll mention it too. Miles Garrett, five to one to win defensive player of the year. Look out for him folks. It's going to be great. So, NFL preseason. We have two games today, so let's get to these quickly because these are going to kick off in the next 30 minutes, uh, 35 minutes. Let's start with Kansas City and Arizona. KC opens up two and a half point favorite, total of 40 and a half. Now we're looking at three and a half with a total of 41. So Arizona is expected to roll out starters today, but I don't think for very long. And I laugh as I say that because uh, for those who have not seen the comments from Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals about preseason, um, they don't give a rip about the preseason. Kyler Murray was actually talking to the media saying how great last season was that he didn't have to participate in the preseason, that he'd rather participate in actual live games that mean something. So while we expect to see Kyler Murray out there, I would take it with a very small grain of salt because last week we expected Kyler Murray he ended up not playing. But Kyler Murray's going to be out there. DeAndre Hopkins not expected to play. So all of this put together, Murray doesn't want to play. The Cardinals don't really care about the preseason. No DeAndre Hopkins. I would not expect a lot in terms of action from one Kyler Murray. Meanwhile, Kansas City has made it clear that they want to give starters potentially a full half of work today using it as a dress rehearsal. And I'm glad we throw this up because then we get to the second half of watching this. And look, I would agree with the line move overall because one, Kansas City obviously going to treat this relatively seriously like their dress rehearsal. The other is I think when you look at that depth chart, I like the Kansas City Chiefs depth chart a little bit better at quarterback than I would the Arizona Cardinals. And we should note, too, one of the things that I had pointed out when it comes to preseason analysis um, was that you looked at a team like Arizona, they had been vocal about one other thing. It was that with Kyler Murray being injured at the end of last year, they wanted to make sure that they had an adequate backup ready to go for him in case he does get a little dinged up with the fact that he runs around quite a bit as a quarterback. And so Colt McCoy also has 
his value to a certain extent for the Arizona Cardinals. And thus, you probably get a lot of Chris Strebler who's going to be out there. Now, Strebler performed uh, to an adequate amount last week against the Dallas Cowboys, and they ultimately got the win in the cover. Uh, but this is going to be a game which, in the second half, you'll see a good chunk of Chad Henney, Shane Bouchelle, maybe Anthony Gordon for the Kansas City Chiefs, but a good amount of Patrick Mahomes in the starters. Doesn't mean it's going to be the electric offense. Doesn't mean there's going to be deep shots all over the place. But the level of talent's going to be there, and I think that's why we've seen this market move in the direction of the Kansas City Chiefs. The other game later today, Cincinnati at Washington. Washington opens a pick with a total of 34-and-a-half. Uh, that was the open, though. That is not the current case right now, as Washington is up to a 5-and-a-half-point favorite here against the Cincinnati Bengals. Total opened up 34-and-a-half. We're down to 33. Bengals are not going to be sending out Joe Burrow in this game to face the football team. You're going to get pre- uh, plenty of Brandon Allen, Kyle Shermer, and Eric Dungy for Cincinnati. Shermer and Allen, solid in week one against Tampa Bay. Shermer, 12-19, 108 yards. Allen, 7-10, 77 yards. However, neither threw a touchdown. Both turned it over. So the scoring drive that was led by Shermer uh, was a result of a rushing touchdown. So the quarterback played relatively uneven. But I'm, you know, I'm curious here because Washington does seem like they're going to play their starters haven't seen anything solid in terms of the length of time that they will be out there. And Fitzpatrick, like you can kind of get an idea maybe of what he's going to see out there. He played two series in week one against New England, was done halfway through the first quarter. You would wonder why he would play much longer. I get it's a new environment for him, but he is, of course, a veteran quarterback who's been there and done that before. Taylor Heineke and Steve Montez both finished out the game with Montez playing the entire second half. So you could probably expect the former Colorado quarterback out there yet again. And Montez was solid, and he's got one of the more important aspects that a preseason quarterback should have, which is mobility, right? We've talked about this a lot, at least during this week, which is offensive line play gets worse in the second half and onwards uh, of preseason games, fourth quarter, because the linemen get worse, right? And so having mobile quarterbacks to offset some of the bad offensive line play really helps you out. Montez has that mobility. Last week, 17-24, 108 yards, one touchdown, one interception, added 14 yards on a single run, but there is some mobility there for Montez as well. So it's good to have that in these late games, and I think all of that put together – is why you see the football team as big of a favorite as they are in that spot tonight against the Cincinnati Bengals. So with that, let's move on to Saturday because uh, there are, of course, a lot of games on the Saturday card for the preseason, but one that has really stuck out to me. As Buffalo is on the road against Chicago, uh, some would call this the most legendary preseason game of all because it is the Mitch Trubisky revenge game, potentially, as Josh Allen is not going to play in Week 2, neither is Stephon Diggs. So it's Mitchell Trubisky's chance for revenge in a meaningless game against backups. Uh, However, here's the thing. I do wonder what the workload is like for Trubisky because he did get the opportunity uh, last time out in which the Josh um, Allen-led Buffalo Bills were actually not Josh Allen-led. He didn't start. And he threw two passes and handed the ball off the rest of the time and played in two series. So you don't know how much of Mitch Trubisky you're going to get. I don't know if this is one of those where McDermott's like, go get him, kid. Show him they were wrong. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, the Bears are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I've got a play here on the Buffalo Bills, and it's twofold. One is you've got a pretty good quarterback competition here for the third spot on this roster. That's between Davis Webb and Jake Fromm. Davis Webb, uh, I thought, performed very solidly last week in week one of the preseason. All, all indications out of camp are that Davis Webb has been having a very solid training camp and competing for that third quarterback spot. Jake Fromm, of course, the other quarterback competing there. So I actually don't hate the quarterback depth chart besides Trubisky for the Buffalo Bills. And the other part of this is, while Chicago does seem to be treating this as a dress rehearsal, I get it. So you're going to get Andy Dalton out there for a quarter and a half, according to Matt Nagy. Justin Fields is expected to see, quote, significant time for the Chicago Bears. But Fields also suffered a groin injury earlier this week that he appears to be recovered from. 
And while you look at his numbers for week one and say 14 to 20, 142 yards, one touchdown, added 33 yards and one touchdown on the ground. If you watched what he did last week, I thought Fields was less than impressive. Had a fumble when extending a play, had a ball batted down at the line of scrimmage, had a dropped interception, was actually a pretty low-graded quarterback by PFF standards in week one of the preseason as well. And a lot of those completions were checkdowns to running backs. So I do want to see a lot more from Justin Fields. So I have a potentially overvalued quarterback at this point right now in the preseason. The fact that he's coming off of a groin injury, like I just don't think those things mesh very well. And I think that there is some depth in play that works for the Buffalo Bills. So took a little bit of four and a half there with the Buffalo Bills. I think the market might be a little too strong in the direction of Chicago. All right, we'll wrap up. There are some other lines that I wanted to get to just to update really quickly as we head into the weekend of the NFL preseason. We'll also clean up a lot of these late games in Major League Baseball. I've said it before, but uh, i say it one more time. This is a very big series in SoCal between the Padres and the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies got to take care of business after they drop the ball in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. most out of every bet with bet rivers daily hometown discounts on boosts on your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook and to make your experience even more rewarding bet rivers offers a 250 dollars sign up bonus the most live streams of major sports instant payouts and only a one-time playthrough offer valid in illinois only you got to be 21 or older gambling problem call 100 gambler not valid for any participant of the illinois gaming board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program speaking of bet rivers this show rush hours is presented by bet rivers I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Danny Burke, who is on a small vacation. We will get to, oh boy, Jacob, you know what? I think we're going to do this. I forgot. I think we're going to get to the NFL first. So let's go to the National Football League uh, as we are going to clean up what we talked about in the preseason. A couple of games over the weekend. We actually have a game on Monday this week, too. So that's going to be really important. Uh, so we were talking about Bills and Bears. To reiterate for anybody who was just joining us or missed out, took a little bit of the Buffalo Bills plus four and a half against Chicago. I think it's a pretty good spot, like quarterback depth. Think Fields is a little banged up, but a little overvalued after an up-and-down performance in week one. So let's start with Las Vegas and Los Angeles. You know, I texted my buddy, Adam Hill, of the Las Vegas Review-Journal to ask him for some insight as to the game plan of the Las Vegas Raiders this coming weekend against the Rams. Didn't even get a text back. So uh, dead to me is Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. See if you get any more fill-in spots on VSIN, huh? But Las Vegas opens up as a five-and-a-half-point favor with a total of 35. And I think Vegas is going to be one of their higher power-rated teams in the preseason. One, uh, Gruden, uh, well, Nathan Peterman, for you know all the punchlines that he is in terms of jokes that he was at the beginning of his career, especially the game against the Chargers, the beginning of his career for the Buffalo Bills, which he threw, what, six interceptions and a half. Uh, Peterman's a, a fine quarterback to have, especially in a preseason setting. And, and John Gruden really loves the guy. Think he's, he thinks the world of him if you read anything about what he sees in Peterman as a quarterback. So it is not surprising after the week one performance from Peterman, by the way, that you see that this is a six-and-a-half-point spread now against Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, uh, as we know, one of the many coaches who just does not care about the preseason, sees little to no value in it. They do have a really serious competition at running back. So 
Maybe that leads to a less than stellar offense as you try to get the difference between a lot of these running backs in this system. But regardless, it is not surprising to see the Raiders uh, as high of a favorite as they are, given their rating in the preseason, given what they did in week one, and what Peterman, who figures, regardless of what Derek Carr's status is going to be for this game, Peterman figures to have a good chunk of these reps by the time we get into the second half. So, uh, you know, we talked about this with William Hill earlier in the show, which was laying a number like six and a half in a preseason when there was such variance, when there was a lot of random nature to the game, when there's backups playing, when you don't know what the game plan is, where a coach would just be calling plays just to experiment with things. It seems like a really tough task to lay. So while I'm not surprised that the Raiders are that high, and by the way, we have reports uh, that one Hunter Renfro absolutely cooked Jalen Ramsey this week at practice, so that means a lot too. Uh, this is a pretty big number for a Raiders team that is power-rated pretty high in the preseason. The other worth touching on, too, San Francisco and Los Angeles. That would be the Chargers. San Francisco on the road, five with a total of 35. There's a five-and-a-half out there, too. But I wanted to bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, we do expect that Justin Herbert is going to be on the field by some indication, so we don't know how much he's going to play, what the starters will look like in terms of workload for the Los Angeles Chargers, but we do expect that we're going to see Herbert and some smattering of starters to start this game for the Los Angeles Chargers. The other is, is again, we talk, like I'll make the same comparison with Justin Fields, right? because a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, you'll kind of note, that some of these teams with these rookie quarterbacks in the preseason have been getting some support and have actually been performing pretty well, right? For example, Mac Jones, we've seen two games now from the New England Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are undefeated in the preseason, both straight up and against the spread. And we see this now for the San Francisco 49ers, who are five-and-a-half-point favorites here with a total of 34-and-a-half. And I just don't know if the 49ers should be favored by this much. It, Trey Lance was solid in his debut in the preseason. Had that 80-yard bomb that was absolutely beautiful to watch, uh, but... He only completed five passes, had some drops in there from his wide receivers, and really poor offensive line play. And I think that's something to keep an eye on here. Again, while Trey Lance has some mobility, he was still sacked four times in that preseason contest. And so how this offensive line plays in front of him as you get deeper into this game is going to be worth noting because if you're getting poor wide receiver play, poor offensive line play, you can think of a world of Trey Lance, but you can't do that much with that kind of play around you. And so to ask to lay five and a half in a game, which it sounds like we're going to get some starters, from the Los Angeles Chargers. And by the way, I should want to put that out there too, that the Chargers from a quarterback depth chart perspective, like they're not really the worst when you look at who's behind Herbert with Chase Daniel and Easton Stick. So I'm really surprised by this number. I think that the Chargers for me, as we get closer, is going to be a play here at catching five and a half. We'll see what the market does with this. Uh, but again, my thought process here in the preseason kind of going against some of these, uh, especially the rookie quarterbacks in certain instances that might ha not have been playing as well as maybe the perception is that they did. So with that, let's stick with the West Coast. Let's stick with some late-night stuff because uh, we do have some late-night West Coast baseball to discuss, and all of these series are extremely important. And I wanted to start at the top, and we'll work our way down. Let's go to San Francisco at Oakland because the Giants' lead in the NL West has now become a little tenuous, right? They're still winning. They're still performing relatively well. They lose the series finale to the New York Mets, but we're taking care of business. Now they're $1.20 favorite on the road against Oakland. Alex Wood is going to get the start here for San Francisco, and it's James Caprellian on the other side for the Oakland Athletics. And Caprellian has been really good in his debut year here for the Oakland Athletics. However, Caprellian is one of those guys who I have noted is maybe worth looking at going against more often than not in certain situations if you're getting some value, uh, mainly because the walks, I think, are a small issue, as is the batting average on balls in play, which he's getting a little lucky on. But Caprellian still is a really good pitcher. The problem is 
when you're striking out less than nine guys every nine innings and yet walking more than three every nine innings, that is not a difference that you like to see and that has burned him in a couple of starts this year. Namely, let's go back two starts ago on the road against the San Diego Padres in which Caprillion got knocked around four and a third, six earned runs, six strikeouts in that game. So you wonder if this is going to blow up in his face. His last two outings were solid, but the last two were against Texas. This San Francisco Giants lineup is a little bit of a different beast here. So you can see the market moves from a twenty price tag on San Francisco upwards of a twenty-four. Would agree with that market move mainly because I think Caprillion, when you look at it, has the qualities of a guy that I think is worth, when you look at it, uh, to play against. I'm not going to say that phrase one more time because I just realized I said it twice. Regardless, $1.24 there on the San Francisco Giants. Should also update you that Alex Wood for the San Francisco Giants has been relatively uneven, we'll call it, uh, in his recent outings. Last time out, did pitch six and two-thirds against the Colorado Rockies at home, and the Giants have won his last four outings, but not by any means because of him. Because if you look at the three previous outings before shutting down Colorado, two against Arizona, one against Houston, gave up a total of 13 earned runs over 21 and two-thirds of work. So Wood has been pretty uneven in this recent sample size. See if you can turn it around here against uh, the Oakland Athletics. Maybe a higher scoring game between these two clubs up in Oakland. Next up, Carlos Carrasco and the Metropolitans on the road against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Opener here between these two clubs. You saw the Dodgers open up as a $2 favorite with Walker Bueller, of course. Carrasco plus 170. Now we're talking about minus 275 in favor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Total of 8.5, shaded to the under ever so slightly at minus 112. Look, we know what Carrasco is, and actually this is the second time that Carrasco has seen the Dodgers in five days. He got the start back at home in New York against the Dodgers. Didn't go out two innings, three home runs, six earned tagged on him, only struck out three, and that's been kind of the problem. Carrasco's career really derailed by injuries. One of the more dominant strikeout guys in the past, but swing and miss stuff that doesn't really seem to be there, at least as much as it has. Now, it's a short sample size for Carrasco. We finally got him out there on July 30th. That was his first start. And we have seen some really good flashes. The first two starts for him against Miami and Cincinnati, really solid. Just three earned runs over eight in the third. But his last two <clears throat> outings have been really short, and they've been really poor. A total of 10 earned runs and four homers against the Dodgers and the Nationals. So with the fact that this lineup for the Mets has been a little shaky, the fact that Carrasco has not been pitching well, you can understand a market move in favor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But the Mets need to try to keep pace here uh, because the Atlanta Braves, keep on winning games, and the Philadelphia Phillies, of course, have made their way ahead of the New York Mets. And that gets us to our final game on the West Coast later tonight, which is the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the San Diego Padres. $1.90, the underdog price there at the open for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now we're looking at plus 185, minus 220 with Blake Snell. Blake Snell, who does pitch much better at home than he does on the road. So he's in his comfort zone here, but we know what Blake Snell is. A guy who is, at times, a dominant strikeout pitcher, but has issues with commands and will potentially give you six if he's really on it, or he'll probably just give you five or four and get out of there. And we have seen the good and the bad from Snell as of late. His last three outings, he has been great. In the month of August, 17 innings pitched for Snell, buck 59 on the ERA. He has struck out 25 hitters and walked just eight. But as we know from Snell, that that's not really him. And when you look at his opponents, Arizona twice in Oakland, uh, maybe a little bit more talented lineup with the Philadelphia Phillies coming to town makes him work a little bit more in terms of the pitch count, even though statistically that's not really what the Phillies are. But regardless, this is a really big series in the spot here for, the, for, for Philadelphia because you can't drop all three to the Arizona Diamondbacks like they did and then expect a 
going on the road to San Diego in a very big series for both of these clubs. The San Diego now just has a one-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds for the second wild card. You've got to be able to perform. So this series does carry quite a bit of weight. And on the other end of this, uh, we do get more on the other side for the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think this is pretty, pretty clear why there's a big price tag on the Philadelphia Phillies. Moore has not really been the best. Last time we saw him, really solid against Cincinnati. Six innings pitched, no earned runs, struck out eight. But that is the aberration of what to Matt Moore is, right? If you go back to the month of July, we're talking about a 7.15 ERA for Moore uh, over, what was it, five starts and just absolutely cooked in the last two starts of July. 12 earned runs, four homers, over 10 innings of work against starts against the Braves and the Nationals. So against quality lineups, the likes of which the Padres do have, Matt Moore could probably have a lot of trouble, which is why eventually you get to this price. But I'll say this, when you're looking at it overall, Eight and a half shaded to the over at a buck twenty. I think that's why you see the shaded in that direction. We haven't seen a large move here at all. Some spots open one fifteen upwards at one twenty, but this has higher scoring game written all over it. Don't think Moore is by any means the guy that we saw last time out on the fourteenth against the Cincinnati Reds. I do think that Blake Snell is going to have a little bit more trouble with the Philadelphia Phillies lineup that is a little bit better than the ones he has faced recently, even though he is better at home. Not sure about an outcome, but would expect a higher scoring game between these two later tonight over at Petco Park. And with that, we are all done. Uh, reminder, too, for anybody who really cares, Jerry Cannon here, $1.40 on the uh, card for me, Buffalo Bills, catching four and a half as well for the weekend of action. And it's a really good weekend, so enjoy yourself. Uh, hopefully you hit everything, too. And remember, vcin.com slash subscribe to check out our NFL guy, which is coming soon. Danny Burke back on Monday. I'll be on My Guys in the Desert on Monday as well. We'll see you. Have a good weekend.